You're listening to a recording of a live radio show on NPR News. If you want to listen to us in real time, you can stream our show live weekdays at 9 a.m. Central. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. This is NPR News. I'm Stephanie Curtis filling in for Carrie Miller. Special counsel Robert Mueller's nearly two-year-long investigation concluded on Friday. Attorney General William Barr sent a summary of the report to Congress yesterday. According to Barr, the report found that neither President Trump nor his aides, quote, conspired or coordinated with Russia to influence the 2016 election, and his office doesn't recommend any further legal indictments. But Mueller also noted that on the charge of obstruction. And again, I quote, while this report does not conclude that the president committed a crime, it also does not exonerate him. Okay, so later this hour, we're going to talk about the scope of the investigation, what we know and what is left to come. We'll be taking your calls about that. First, we're joined by political junkie Ken Rudin. Good morning, Ken. Good morning, Stephanie. How are things out in Washington? Any big news out there today? (laughs) <laughs> well, they were, we're still recovering from yesterday's news. And right. You know something, as dramatic as it was, I'm not sure how many minds were changed. Really? What do you mean by that? Well, I mean, I have a feeling, I have a, I have this sense that people, before before Mueller's report ever came out, that either whatever was going to come out was a witch hunt, or whatever was going to come out was uh, showed that the president was guilty. Now, as you quoted the Mueller report, that no, as that's correct, no collusion, as the president has been insisting all along. But it says, but it does not exonerate him on the possibility of obstruction. Now, the president himself said this is complete and total exoneration. That's not exactly what Robert Mueller's report said. So how do you think the Dems are going to be talking about this, especially the Dems who are political contenders for 2020 and want to take Trump's place as president? Well, that's already in the thousands of people. But <laughs> in, in, addition, in addition to the presidential candidates and uh, the congressional uh, committees that are investigating the president, basically they're demanding two things. One, they want a full report, the full Mueller report, not just the four-page summary by Attorney General William Barr. And they also want, there are also other investigations going on. We're seeing it with the House Judiciary Committee. We're seeing it with the Southern District in New York. And so there are questions about the president and, you know, the, maybe the, the hush money to, to those two women, to the, uh, the Trump businesses, the Trump Foundation, whether the, the Trump's family uh, personally benefited from any of the actions by the president. So while the Democrats are clearly not happy at what they what they see from the Mueller report, that doesn't mean their investigations are over. And at the same time, the Republicans are saying, "Wait a second, get over it. It's over already." Mueller's there's no more indictments, no more uh, 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 subpoenas. Uh, this thing is over and done. And in many ways, they're right. In many ways, what what Nancy Pelosi said a few days ago that impeachment is probably off the table is correct as well because. Ultimately, this will be decided by the voters in 2020. Do you think that so you think impeachment is still off the table? Oh, I do. There's no what's what's the what's the reason for it? If Robert Mueller says, I mean, if the whole thought of it was about uh, collusion with the Russians, well, that has been taken off the table. Now, the fact is that Mueller, Mueller has said that I am not sure about about obstruction of justice. Well, Richard Nixon, that was one of the counts in Richard Nixon's impeachment and one of the counts in Bill Clinton's impeachment. So obstruction of justice is not off the table. The Democrats are not giving up on that. But right now, the reality is there's no way the president, even if there could be enough votes in the House 
to force force an impeachment vote and pass an impeachment vote, there's no way in the world that two thirds of the Senate and the uh, the re- two thirds in the Senate would vote to remove uh, President Trump from office, especially in a Republican-controlled Senate. Okay, good. So James Comey wrote that he feels like if we did push for impeachment, if Democrats push for impeachment, that it would drive people further from the common center of American life, more deeply fracturing our country. Do you think that, I mean, this this report has been, this investigation has been hanging over our country for two years. Are Democrats going to overreach and, or, and you know, fracture the country or fracture the feeling yeah, well, of America, that- as Comey says? Steph, that is a great question and an important question. We all remember what uh, people accused uh, Newt Gingrich and the Republicans in 1998 of doing, of going overreaching and pushing for the impeachment of President Clinton, who was still very, very popular in the country. And, of course, uh, it it backfired on the Republicans. Uh, Not only did Clinton stay in office, but Republicans lost seats in the midterm election of 1998, which is not supposed to happen because they were the out party, but they felt voters felt that the Republicans overreached. If the Democrats, and this is not my personal opinion, but I think this is what the political reality is, if the Democrats insist on, and, and they could be certainly justified, but if the Democrats are going to continue to ask for this investigation, that investigation, remember the House Judiciary Committee the, not too long ago uh, called for uh, uh, the um, uh, in papers and documents from 81 individuals, the Republicans could very well make this look like it's a it's a fishing hunt, it's a fishing expedition. Uh, and when 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 Robert Mueller basically settled the issue, so basically it's it's going to be who can convince the American people what side is right? Can Donald Trump and the Republicans say this is Democratic overreach that um that they they they're pulling at straws? There's really no there there. Well, the Democrats will make the argument that there's much more there there, and and we need to find the truth. Both sides uh, will have the uh, the uh, you know big megaphones at their disposal. We'll see who's listening to whom. All right, we are going to be talking about the uh, Barr letter and the Mueller report later on in the hour, but let's let Ken move on to some other stuff that I want to talk about. Uh, so last Monday at a CNN town hall, Elizabeth Warren said that she supports replacing the Electoral College with the popular vote. And people went crazy. They just applauded. Her audience loved it. It's not a new idea, but do you think it's gaining steam beyond, like, Elizabeth Warren's town hall audience? Well, look, it it, it gained steam the moment Donald Trump was elected president in 2016 with three million fewer voters than Hillary Clinton received. Of course, that was a big argument with uh, when uh, George W. Bush was elected with less votes, fewer votes than Al Gore in 2000. And the late Birch Bayh, the great India, the, the liberal Indiana senator who died a couple of weeks ago, he's been he had been pushing for the elimination of the electoral college back in the 1970s when uh, you know that, that wasn't the kind of issue it is today. But definitely, the Democrats feel that they have the momentum on their side. The problem is is that the, the Senate is not going to pass a constitutional amendment. Uh, the Republican Senate certainly is not going to pass a constitutional amendment getting rid of the Electoral College when it's a Republican Senate. And clearly the two last two Republicans elected president, Bush and Trump, benefited by the Electoral College because they lost the popular vote. So it's not happening. It's been an issue that's been around forever. Democrats feel it more than ever before. But, you know, it'll it'll definitely, as Elizabeth Warren learned, it'll bring crowds to their feet. A lot of a lot of the many candidates support that. But 
whether it would get through a Senate that is completely unlikely. And plus the fact that you need uh, three quarters of the states uh, to, to pass a constitutional amendment. It's not happening anytime soon, but it is a very popular issue on the Democratic side. Okay. So as Warren and others are trying to differentiate themselves from the dozens, dozens of other Democratic candidates, the DNC has come up with a key requirement to earning a spot in their debates. You have to have 65,000 donors with at least $200 in 20 states. Now, in 2016, many voters thought that the DNC was quite unfair in the nomination process. Do you think that this new standard will help uh, uh, alleviate that? Well, you know something, it's, it's hard to do, it's hard to make sense of how to be fair in these debates when you already have 15 candidates uh, by the first or second week of April. Uh, the expectation is that Joe Biden uh, jo- joins the fray, and that makes it 16. What the Republicans did in 2016, when they also had about 12, 13, 14, 15 candidates, is they, they had a kids' table. They put the Carly Fiorinas and the, uh, you know, the George Patakis at the kids' table while the, the, the big boys fought it out with Donald Trump. That didn't seem fair either. Um, I guess there has to be kind of a standard uh, for, for Democrats to get in the debate. Just because you're an announced candidate doesn't mean he or she should be in that, included in that debate because you have to have some kind of some kind of order, other than otherwise it would be just getting so insane. But, but that, and that's not you know what you what you point out about 2016. This is what Bernie Sanders supporters said at the time, and still say that the DNC was rigged in favor of Hillary Clinton. It's supposed to be a small D Democratic Party, and it wasn't in 2016. I think that, I think you know calling for a certain amount of either support in the polls or the amount of donors offering money is not a terrible way of of, of separating the uh, you know the grown-ups from the kids. What when do you think Biden is going to declare and when do you think he's going to declare? Well, I mean for the longest time I was saying no for, for people I know who know him well say it's all but a certainty that the answer is yes. They're talking about the first or second week in April, which is not long from now. I mean, look, he's 76 years old. He'll be 77. He'll almost be 78 should he, after his election. Um, and he has a lot of you know blemishes on his record that w- may have been popular back then, but less so now. The fact that he, he criticized Anita Hill during the Clarence Thomas hearings. He uh, t- talked about stopping busing in the 1970s. Uh, he... Um, um, you know, he was on the wrong side of many issues that are very popular with the Democratic left today, but less popular back then. So, and he's also saying very nice things about Republicans. He called, you know, uh, Vice President Pence a decent guy the other day, and other Democrats took after him for that, saying, you know, you don't have to be nice all the time. <laughs> a lot of us, a lot of us Democrats, are very angry. But there's also a debate in the Democratic Party, and it's a desperate debate almost. Who can defeat Donald Trump? And there are polls that show that uh, that Joe Biden is among those who could defeat him now. It's popular. He, he does well in the polls because he's so well known. And the question is whether whether the politics of Joe Biden, which were very popular back in the day, remain popular in 2019 and 2020. And we'll see once the debates start. But uh, right now he is 
he's not the uh, you know the six hundred pound eight hundred pound elephant in the room, but he's clearly one of the leaders uh, going into the election. If he did declare at the same time, uh, also saying who his vice presidential running mate would be, is that is that the first time someone's done that, or how often do do people declare at the same time and it, say it, here's the package deal? It's rare. I mean, we do know that in 1976, Ronald Reagan picked Richard Schweiker, the senator from Pennsylvania, as his running mate to try to win delegates away from President Ford from Pennsylvania. It didn't work. Uh, In 2016, Ted Cruz announced that Carly Fiorina would be his running mate. And we know how well that ticket turned (laughs) out. But but it seems given the fact of, of his advanced age, and given the fact that he's looked at with suspicion by many in the Democratic Party, there is more seems to be more pressure on Joe Biden to pick a running mate earlier than later. And the rumor of the week last week was that he would that it would be a Joe Biden, uh, um, uh, Stacey Abrams ticket. She's the African American woman from Georgia who barely lost uh, lost a closer race for governor last year. That it would be a Biden Abrams ticket now. I don't know if people will say, well, is that supposed to apologize for, for Anita Hill? Or does it show that, that when, you know, after one term, Stacey Abrams would be the leader on the Democratic Party? Or would it mean Stacey Abrams is talking about running for president herself? Why would I be, want to be on a ticket with Joe Biden who may not represent my views? So there is, there is definitely pressure on Biden to announce a running mate sooner than later whether it's Stacey Abrams or anybody else, it could decide, like right now they're saying, well, could he pick a white male? I mean, I never, this is the first time in history that being a white male may be a detriment to, to winning the, de- the Democratic nomination. But the Democratic Party has changed, and we'll see if Joe Biden has changed along with it. Ken, thanks so much for joining us today. Have a good day. You just heard a recording of a live radio show on NPR News. To add your voice to discussion, you can call in at 800-242-2828 or tweet us at NPR. And if you miss us live, you'll find all our shows by subscribing to this podcast. You can send us your questions or comments by emailing talk at npr.org.